Hello, this is Elizabeth Spring from NorthNodeAstrology.com, and today I'm going to be talking about tending to the soul by way of your North Node story. And I'm going to do it by reading a small section from my book, North Node Astrology, Rediscovering Your Life Direction and Soul Purpose. I think you're going to find it interesting. I'm going to be talking about Carl Jung and a number of different things. So let's go. Okay, today we're going to be talking about tending to the soul. And I'm going to be reading a little section from my book, North Node Astrology, Rediscovering Your Life Direction and Soul Purpose, which is on Amazon. Carl Jung once said there are three key ingredients in psychotherapy, which means in Greek, attending to the soul. They are insight, courage, and enduring action. This book is about the first, because in finding insightful knowledge, we are well on our way to discovering our deepest sense of self. Self with a capital S? Yes. When Jung was growing up, he made a distinction between a part of himself that he called his personality number one, and another part of himself he called personality number two, He and many astrologers and theologians since then have talked about soul and spirit as being two separate but related concepts. In a similar fashion, I've chosen in this book to use self with a capital S to designate that wiser sense of soul and self with a small s to designate the more egoic personality. One could also say that it is from the healing of our wounded self that we find our way to know our wiser self, this self that unites our personal sense of self to the cosmic spirit. Oscar Wilde once said, quote, to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. Isn't that a delicious and outrageous thought? Who doesn't want to rediscover themselves and fall in self-love again, to reinvent our lives and find that sense of self? Or maybe we're more humble and simply want to have a more determining say in our destiny and fate. And perhaps like a good makeover, we confess it's an intriguing idea. So one of the things we'll do is to play with the equation fate plus character equals destiny. Most of us believe, like Mother Teresa said, we can't all do great things, but we can do small things in great ways. It's not always about what we do in life that truly matters, but how we do what we do and how we speak about what we do. For example, I could say this book is about my reenchantment with life and my, quote, inner Jung, my inner wise woman speaking. Or I could say it's about astrology and Jungian thought. So life purpose isn't about quitting your day job and moving to India to work in an orphanage, although that might be perfect for some. 
Life purpose evolves as we find meaning in whatever we do. And we do this by bringing to consciousness what we have kept in the unconscious, in our shadow. This term shadow is about all those very human things we disown about ourselves, things we tend to not see or that we dislike, and all those things we tend to project upon others who irritate us or intrigue us. Yet this shadow also holds the gold, those noble tendencies and talented parts of ourselves that we have been too blind to see. In astrology, we find this by inquiring into the nodes. The north and south nodes hold the leaden-stuck places within our psyches, as well as the places of aspiration, dreams, and unsuspected talents. It takes courage and a bit of reading between the lines to get it. I remember when first reading the philosopher J. Krishnamurti, I would have to frequently pause between the lines to see if I could catch the gist of what he was really trying to put words to. It wasn't easy. The nodal descriptions here in this book aren't dense reading at all. Uh, Conversely, they are almost too simple. You still have to read between the lines. It is humbling work to look at our south note to look into our past life story and this shadow. It is not for the faint of heart or for those who want to see themselves righteously or piously. Looking at one's unfinished business is a humbling experience, and daring to act on the suggestion of the north node isn't comfortable at first. It usually feels unfamiliar as well. Yet it is through this integrating process that we glimpse the possibilities of a further life, a fuller life. And as Jung said, the third part of attending to the soul is about enduring action, the willingness to withstand the tension of the opposites and act, the tension of often holding the opposing voices in our heads and not to break the alchemical vessel with lack of attention or self-sabotage. We need to hold ourselves gently so that we may transmute the lead, the wounded parts of the ego, into the gold of insight and action. Relationships are often the crucible in which we become who we truly are, and not just romantic relationships, but also our relationship with self, with others, and our work. Some of us whine about the hopeless search for the magical other, but beneath the cynicism, I hear a yearning for something else. The youthful illusion of being saved by the romantic other gets reinvented as we get older, as we see how much we've used relationship as an escape from our personal journey, or as a distraction or even a sabotaging of our own calling. The romantic fantasy has carried so much on its shoulders. It's carried so many of our hopes for deep soul connection and joy. It simply is too much to ask of any one person human shoulders to hold so much of what is truly only ours to carry. Our life direction and soul purpose is a quest. 
a question that a workout in the gym, a paycheck, or an internet search isn't going to answer. Yes, we're Googling for new solutions to old problems, exploring new paradigms, but I think we're still going to have to pull back on some of our expectations and be very patient with ourselves as we live into the answers to some of these questions we may find that even imperfect maps can be helpful so how we talk about soul matters soul can be understood as an elusive inner sense of self a kind of personal embodiment of spirit we don't need to define it here but rather to feel it we could say that it's an energy that wants something from us, something that impels us to live up to whatever our full potential could be. But no matter how we choose to define it for ourselves, it's how we feel about our connection or disconnection to self that either feeds or depletes us. How we find our life direction is also crucial. We can fishtail around in the world of jobs, careers, vocations, and relationships. But unless the heart is moved and an old, and old painful habits are released, we may stay stuck. When we make life decisions from an insightful heart space, we tap into the collective unconscious, which holds deep wealth springs of wisdom, pockets of gold, as well as elusive shadow dragons. Then what ails us? Is it our tiredness or aching back or the fear that if we look deep, there may be nothing there? My sense is that we are ailed by that fear, that sense of existential anxiety that there isn't any more to life. And even if there is, we can't get there from here that we're too old, too fat, too uneducated, or too lazy. Or even worse is the fear that if we had our freedom to be all we could be, we could end up having to fundamentally change. We might have to go it alone, take a journey, learn new computer skills, or confront our hardening of the attitudes. We might have to reconsider our attitude towards our friends or partners. Yes, we might say that we want a fuller life, but we usually want it on our conditions. This is a part of that anxiety and, quote, fear and trembling the existentialist philosophers wrote about, the price of living an authentic life. We often calm this anxiety by distraction and amusement, rather than delving into the depths. We forget how anxiety and excitement are two sides of the same coin, as well as depression and boredom. Who can hold the tension of these opposites easily? Why, who knows? You could annoy your friends if you talked astrology and offended their academic or religious philosophy. We keep so many good discussions going in our heads and instead read books like this in bed before falling asleep. But before you fall asleep now, I'd like to offer you a thought. If you choose to explore the mystery of the nodes contained in the mandala of your birth chart, I promise you that you'll find meaning there that incites a kind 
of life makeover that comes with renewed self-confidence. Sound like a sales pitch? Yes, and I'll add that at the very least, you will find it interesting enough to be disturbing. Looking at life symbolically invites magic and synchronicity, disturbs the status quo, and renews a sense of faith and trust. Why? Because when you see how your personal life story synchronizes with patterns that are larger and bigger than you, you'll touch on your connectedness with the whole of life. You'll get a sense that your life might have a meaningful pattern that underlies the apparent chaos. Now, don't you think the unfolding story of your life, your personal mythology, deserves at least as much time as you give to caring for your body, your relationships, or your finances? Hmm, something to think about there. That's where I'm going, I'm going to stop for today, giving you a, a little bit of the book, North Node Astrology, and you can get it on Amazon. It's in Audible and paperback and Kindle. And I hope you take a look at it. I hope you've enjoyed today. If you did, I'd love to have a review under Apple Podcasts. If you go there, that would be terrific. Or if you know a friend who might be interested in this, Tell them about this podcast, North Node Astrology. And if you want to follow through on anything else, such as a reading, you can find me at northnodeastrology.com. Thanks for listening today. Bye-bye.